This is your host, T. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10. Why? Geek Vibes Nation. Geek Vibes Nation. 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 The Top 10. The Top 10. All right. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another amazing Top 10 by Geek Vibes Nation. I'm your host, Tia. Last week, we took a little bit of a break. It feels good to be back, to be talking with all you guys. And unfortunately, I don't have my co-host, Brittany, with me today. She had to tend to some personal matters. But I do have a very exciting guest co-host today, one of my longest, I don't know if that sounds right, but one of my like longest time friends, if that makes sense, but um, one of the best, um, the person who has just been in my life for so long, and he actually also now does the video clips of my top tens that you may have seen on my Instagram and Twitter page. It is my very, very, very good friend, Bryant Jager. How are you today? Oh my God, that's so, that feels so honored to you. <laughs> I wasn't expecting all that. Got me tearing up over here. Brittany's always like, oh my God, that's the nicest that you're ever, you know, you ever been to me when you introduce me. <laughs> <laughs> and every other time it's just like downhill. Uh, yeah, longest, I mean, dearest friend, I would say. We've known each other for more than half our, half our lives right now. So that's that's a pretty long time. It is. Um, Whatchamacallit, so I believe that you and Cindy still are the only people who I would still consider friends from my high school age. And um, I believe it was you who even said some years ago that, what was it, that if you're friends for more than like seven years, you're going to be friends for life. Pretty much. If you can, it, friendship, I think, is one of those things where you can kind of just like, not talk to the person for so long and pick it up from where you left off. And that seems to be our relationship, but I'm glad we finally got to make this work out. It feels great to be on. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Brian and I were both very creative people. When we both graduated college, we tried our hands at another podcast um, and all that. And it went really well. It's just that I think that we were, too young we didn't really know what we were doing we didn't know how maybe to like pick up momentum we had the talent we just didn't have the outlet to do it yeah it that was such a great time and I've always told Tia that you need to put your voice out there and to be on your show like what (laughs) that's fucking awesome my my top 10 with Tia. Um, yeah, no, it's really exciting. And I'm happy to have you on the top 10. This So I say this all the time, um, and Polly knows this, that, like, I'm not the biggest fan of Valentine's Day. And neither is he, which is great. Like, <laughs> perfect, um, perfect but, dynamic. But it is Valentine's Day, and people do love this holiday. So... You know, it's always good to do top tens that have to do something with whatever's going on at the time. So we decided to do the top 10 best couples in movies and TV shows. 
And I'm pretty excited for it, um, even though, again, Valentine's Day is, like, not my holiday. <laughs> but I still think that it's going to be great. And this is your first top ten. Um, and, of course, because it is your first top ten, you get to go first. You start us off. Wow. What would you say? Yeah. <laughs> I like putting my guests on the spot. <laughs> I, I could see that. I wasn't expecting uh, that, but time to jump right in. Exactly. Actually, before you go with the number 10, of course, I want to give a quick shout out to some of our friends over at Geek Fives Nation, specifically our friends over at Stranger Damies, who are the Real Play D&D podcast. They're from the main Damie family of podcasts. We had Dan on two weeks ago. And they're amazing, so make sure you check that out. Of course, we always promote them. We always like to give them a little bit of love in the beginning of the top 10 since they always give this podcast love in the beginning of their podcast. So make sure you check that out. And, Bryant, let's dive right in. What's your number 10? Sure. My number 10. Well, before I start my number 10, I must say I had a fun time doing some research on some of these couples (laughs) because I was looking at – what my version of best couples in movies and television. And I found some problematic ones, but we can get to those <laughs> later. <laughs> but let's keep it, let's, you know, keep it normal for now, you know, and we'll get messy later. Um, my top, the person on the top of my list right now, Tia, this might bring back some nostalgia for you is Emily Thorne and Daniel Grayson in Revenge. Oh my God. God, yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that, my God. Okay, that's perfect. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Just to kick it off. I knew I you would like that. So um, the reason why Tia and I both had that reaction is because the both of us were obsessed with a show called Revenge on ABC. It had, I believe, about four seasons. If you haven't checked it out, do so. I, I feel like it wrapped up the season so well the series finale so well and it was always this dynamic between the main character emily and the rich son daniel and then you would always have the troubled mother who tried to get in the way and just ruin everything but i feel like the very last season kind of just like put their relationship so perfectly despite all the drama within the season but um yeah, that one, I was just like, I have to put them on the list because I just remember Tia and I gushing over these two characters like, oh, my God. Um, Fun fact, the actor and actress who played these characters are married in real life, uh, which is super really? interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and I've definitely mentioned revenge before on this podcast. I believe we did a podcast, something like, um, you know, shows that were canceled, say too quickly. And the thing is about revenge is that even though the fourth season did wrap up really well, um, I think they were hoping for another season, but when it didn't get renewed, they like, I think we're like, okay, now we at least know, like they were waiting the entire time during the fourth season. And they literally had, I think a few episodes left to film when they got the news that they weren't going to get a fifth season. So they're like, all right, let's, you know, wrap everything up, which I appreciate. But um, Emily and Daniel, and the thing is like, I didn't like them at first. Right. Cause we knew what, you know, Emily's uh, you know, her, 
her intentions were right with Daniel. But then I think when everything was on the table, it was like he became a good person the last episode before he, I, you know, spoiler alert, died. So <laughs> then suddenly it was like, oh, wait, shit, I kind of like Daniel. And I, I think they're perfect. And you definitely brought up nostalgia. My mom's going to love hearing this because you know how much Louise loved revenge. <laughs> Louise loved revenge. She was like, that Daniel better treat Emily right. <laughs> or else he's not coming to the family dinner. <laughs> not coming to the dinner. Shout out to Louise. Shout out to Louise. I loved revenge. I mean, like, I don't know. It was such a good show and I hated that it got canceled and all that. But I am happy that the actress um, played by Amelia... Emily, sorry. Emily Van Camp is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so at least she's getting work. Um, you know, you got to do shout out to the girl. Yeah. And you know what? As much as I wanted it to go on, I'm glad they wrapped up the whole series because I think it was like a span of three episodes with this arc of putting everything together. It, they could have easily ruined it. So I'm glad they put it together in such a like nice and tasteful way that I was like, okay, I'm satisfied as the viewer. Well, yeah, I mean, that happens so many times with shows where they start out really good and then suddenly it just seems like they're trying to stretch it out and you're like, please end already. Like, my mom all the time will be like, oh, you know, revenge should have kept going. And it's like, I agree, the selfish part of me wanted it to keep going, but I said four seasons is solid. It told the story it wanted to and... It was really good. So I'm fine with the ending. I mean, Emily and Jack sail away and that's all I could ever hope for. Yeah. Um, so great way to start off the list, Brian. Thank like you. seriously. <laughs> that was great. And certainly as a fan of revenge, I am living for this. Living. But I'm gonna hit number nine. And so Brian, um, Stop me if you've never seen this movie on Netflix, but it's called The Lovebirds. <gasps> Tia. Oh, my God. I was seconds away of putting that on my list. Uh, you have no idea. <laughs> but please go on. Please. Oh, my God. So it's so funny. I am not the – like, I don't – I don't mean to sound like a bah humbug when it comes to, like, you know, love, because obviously I'm in a very, like, long-term relationship. <laughs> a but very loving relationship, and you're just like, yeah. Oh, but the thing is, is I hate, like, romantic comedies, because they always just seem so forced. Like, as someone who's, like, in a relationship, I'm like, it's not like that. <laughs> you watch them, and you're like, it's not like that, but... For some reason, when The Lovebirds came out, um, which calls it, on Netflix, starring, and I know I'm not going to pronounce his name correctly, but Kumal Nanjiani and Issa Rae, um, when when that freaking, <laughs> when that movie came on Netflix, I think I watched the movie, like, twice in a row, because I was like, wait, that was funny as hell. I got to go back and watch that. Um and then I think I even suggested it to my mom who watched it. And she was like, oh, my God, that's great. And so the two for those who haven't watched it, the two main characters, Gibran and Lilani, 
Um, they play mm-hmm. this couple that I think have been together for maybe like five years or something. And it starts initially with them meeting and how great their relationship is and then quickly jumps ahead to after five years and them, you know, essentially like falling into a rut and breaking up. But then, of course, things go haywire when they are literally witness to a crime and they have to work together to find out who the real um culprit is and of course along the way they realize how much they actually do love each other and it is just so funny the two actors have like such great chemistry with each other it's one of those romantic comedies that's legitimately funny it has a plot and it's not just kind of dumb really it's it's a good um it's a well thought out romantic comedy so brian since you were like seconds away to putting it on your list what did you think of lovebirds I first of all, I'm obsessed with Issa Rae. Um, I I watched it knowing that it was going to be good because anything that she's in, I'm never unsatisfied, and I'm just like, "Yep, this is exactly what I wanted." I I I just loved it. I love how real it felt. I love their relationship dynamic. It wasn't a typical, and I love that it was two people of color too. Um, which well, is something that is, you don't see so typical, but now with everything going on, I feel like you see more of the diversity and more interesting relationships. So it was important to show that, um, to show these two people of color and what their relationships are like, because you're right. You see it primarily these romantic comedies and the couple that they're focusing on are you know, to white people. And so to give like a voice to people of color. And I believe that, um, I mean, I can't imagine that Issa Rae didn't have something to do with the, the production of Lovebirds just because isn't she the person behind Insecure? Yeah, Issa, that is her baby. <laughs> Which I think I heard that it's coming to an end. You watch that show. How do you feel about that? I, 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 it hurts. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was funny because uh, I remember her posting something about like, yay, filming the fifth season. And then her Twitter fandom replied very appropriately. And they were just like, fuck you. Why would you do this? Blah, blah, like basically just saying she can go somewhere with her smile. But they they say it in a loving way because I feel like people followed along the characters of Issa and Molly on the show and it really brought people together. I don't think there has been a TV show that's united like people, especially the black community like that, where it's like, Oh my God, did you see what Issa did this week? But I'm very sad. I wish it could go on forever, but I know just like what we talked about with revenge, you can't keep dragging something out and eventually it needs um, to kind of like dissipate. So no, absolutely. (laughs) And the good thing always about a show knowing that they're coming to an end means that they can actually map out an ending as opposed to thinking that they're going to continue and doing the show and then the network deciding, Hey, we're not going to renew this. And then you're like, well, I just wrote a cliffhanger and filmed a cliffhanger. I didn't, you know, film a conclusion. And now these poor fans are forever just going to sit there going, well, no idea what the hell happened. Yeah. Yeah, so I also, by the way, love um, Kumal just because 
So I haven't seen a lot of his work, but I love him just for the sense that he's going to be in another Marvel movie. And you know how much I love the Marvel movie. So it's like anytime someone is in a Marvel movie, it's like, I don't even really know you that much, but you're part of the fam. So that's what matters. Yeah. As long as you're part of the family, it could be anybody. It could be a rock. You're part of the fam. So (laughs) exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, so that's going to be my number nine for those who are listening. If you not, if you have not checked out Lovebirds, it's on Netflix. It's an easy watch. As I said, Kumal and Issa have a fantastic chemistry with each other. I, honestly, that's a movie that I wouldn't mind if they did a sequel to. And I don't always feel that romantic comedies like warrant <clears throat> sequels, but if they want to do a sequel to it, I'd be right there watching it. So, yeah, number nine, Lovebirds. Um, Bryant, why don't you give us your number eight? For sure. Also, I wanted to point out before I went into number yeah, eight, absolutely. because you mentioned the word chemistry. And mm-hmm. um, fun fact about me, I'm an actor. Ooh. Yes, so, I'm so sorry that I... No, <laughs> I'm no, so, no. I'm so used to having my co-host, like, Brittany here, that it's like, oh, yeah, you guys haven't ever... Like, I know you, so I figure, like, those who are listening know you. But, yes, Bryant is an actor. Please continue. Yeah, no, you're totally fine. But when you said the word chemistry, it just reminds me of the audition process and putting two people together, especially for... Uh, lead roles so you mentioned uh, the people in Lovebirds and the chemistry reads and what it really takes for two people to feel comfortable and seeing how the relationship plays out in camera and chemistry is not always the easiest thing to pick up on camera so with all these mentions it's kind of like also kudos to the casting director and the people behind the scenes who really highlighted the chemistry between these characters yeah and before you say your number eight it's funny you mentioned that. So you know how much of, um, or I'm not sure if you know, but I'm a huge fan of this show called American Gods, right? Yes. And the lead actor, Ricky Whittle, does something every Monday where he has like a fellow actor from the show come onto his Instagram and they do like an hour segment and it's really cool. So he did a segment with this one actor, Eric Johnson, where they talked about, say, like love scenes, right? And how awkward they are to film and how utterly like bad they are and embarrassing but then they'll have people say come up to them and be like oh that was such a great you know scene that you did I watched it blah blah, blah. and they said something along the lines of like that's just the beauty of filmmaking <clears throat> that they can take something that literally feels like your most embarrassing day on set and make it look actually good because they were mm-hmm. saying how it's their most dreaded like day on set when they have to do that. Cause Ricky was saying like, you know, people will come up to him and be like, Oh, you get to do all these amazing, you know, sex scenes with all these really beautiful actresses. And he's like, it's really weird. Cause they're your friend. And it's like, so you're having to do this scene with your friend while your other friend films it. And all your other friends <laughs> are in the room telling you what to do. And I'm like, I never thought of it like that. And I'm like, that does sound incredibly awkward. So it's just the power of like the filmmaking process and the chemistry that two actors can have with each other. Yeah, because imagine just like being on a set with 10, 20 people, boom, mic in your face, just like they're watching you and saying, okay, go, 
Yeah, no, I it would be incredibly embarrassing for me. So I just want to mention that to piggyback on what you had said. But um, what's your number eight for our top 10? Yeah, um, to kind of continue with the nostalgia. Um, if you remember a little show called Orange is the New Black, I'm not going to pick the obvious choice, but I'm going to pick Puse and Soso. Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. Really quick before you go into your explanation, um, I want to tell you that I actually stopped watching Orange is the New Black after Pusey was killed because I just couldn't get over it. I I never watched like what happened afterwards. I don't know if you continued with the show. I think I didn't watch the last season, um, so I still have that, and I was contemplating to pick it back up, but that was hard that was a hard ending yes very much so but why don't we talk about the happier things and uh explain why you pick uh Pusey and Soso for this uh this top 10 for sure I think um when viewers first watched or I can only speak for myself really when I first watched Orange is the New Black and seeing the character as Puse and how like rough around the edges and hard she was. And then when they introduced Soso's character and how young and naive she seemed and the both of them kind of like balanced each other out to where you saw a softer side of Puse and then the more harder side of Soso. Um, and also including that both of these people are people of um color and minorities so shout out to that i'm glad that the show didn't decide to go with puse and tasty because you know the two of them being such friends it could have been really easy for them to say well let's now transform that friendship into a romantic uh, you know, relationship. So I'm glad that they didn't do that. I'm glad that they went in a different direction. And to be <clears throat> honest, like the character of Soso when she came onto the scene wasn't say, um, I didn't like her the that the most because yeah. just of how her character was. So her pairing up with Pusey, who's such a likable character, they just really balanced each other out, as you said. Um and I just, I just loved Pusey in general. Like when they first introduced her in the show, I was like, I love this girl. And their relationship was a really great relationship. And again, as we just said, Pusey's death, I will never get over. Yeah. And nor shall you. Still. <laughs> no, I know. It was great. Like Orange New Black was like this great show and i'm glad that you didn't go with the um obvious you know because i think their relationship kind of got annoying at some point with alex and um oh my god what the hell was piper. the main girl's name piper the relationship got annoying after a while yeah yeah and i yeah that's the typical choice and i was like let's not let's not be typical no exactly that's what this top 10 is all about is just kind of expanding 
um, and giving way, like uh, to me, I like to not really pick say the obvious choices. Cause I'm like, you know, there's a bunch of other articles that are going to do say like best couples for Valentine's day. And they're always going to go with the most obvious. And I'm like, there are more in movies and TV shows than the obvious. And I like to put those typically on my top 10. Yeah. But no, that's a great pick. I love it. I have to go to my list to see what I want to put for number seven here. Uh, let's see who I'm going to do. So I talk about not being like basic or anything like that, but I am going to pick something that like everyone, like the majority of our listeners here are going to know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, Brian, have you been watching WandaVision or have you at least heard of it? I, yeah. And I was convinced from a coworker yesterday to start watching it and I <laughs> made a promise to myself to start watching it. So I will be doing that very soon. It's a very interesting dynamic and I won't ruin anything for you since you haven't watched it, but it's very interesting from, say, the perspective of someone like us who really is interested in the TV making process because every episode is in the same vein of, say, shows during a certain era. Like the first episode is in the 1950s, the second is in the 1960s and 70s, 80s, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to pick, though the characters Wanda and Vision from WandaVision, which is very basic if you're listening to this podcast, but um, I can't help it. I love them as a couple together. If you're an MCU fan, you have sat there and watched Wanda and Vision and their romance with each other kind of develop, um, you know, from, say, the first movie that they were both introduced to in Age of Ultron, where... They had barely any interaction to Infinity War when they were a full-on couple. And, you know, unfortunately, Wanda had to witness Vision's death in that movie and yada yada. But, you know, this is a couple that has deep ties to the comic books. People, you know, love them together. They're a great couple. And so I wanted to put them on the list because I love Elizabeth Olsen, like, Brian, mm-hmm. our age group was used to seeing the Olsen twins. And, like, who knew that years later it would actually be this other sibling that we, to me, I had never heard of her before the Marvel movies. I was like, wait, there's another Olsen? And it's like, who would know that? It's like, who would think that she would be as big as she was? But I think her and Paul Bettany have such a great chemistry with each other that you can't help but watch them in WandaVision. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's gonna be my number seven. Brian, you are in for a treat when you watch WandaVision. I'm telling you, you're gonna love it. Okay. I I will probably be screaming like, why didn't I do this sooner? So (laughs) it's a nice um whatchamacallit what am I gonna say? It's a nice um, substitute until we can actually go to, say, the movies, since we can't do that um, at all. Yeah, I don't know what a movie theater is. What are you talking about? 
Before we go to the next one, I want to get your opinion on this, right? Because this is like a big discussion. In New York, like the movie theaters are not open. I understand that in other states, I think some are open to a degree, but it's a big discussion in like the geeky world of should Marvel put it's like movies on the Disney plus streaming for this year, because Warner brothers decided to put all of their content on HBO max. And people are super divided about that, whether they should just wait for the movie theaters to reopen or they should put their movies on streaming services. And as a film buff and someone who is an actor, I mean, what are your thoughts with that? Do you, say hey let's wait till the movie theaters open or are you like who knows when freaking movie theaters are going to open let's just put these things on streaming services i mean there's so many different arguments nowadays because you have the first argument of like the experience of being at a movie theater and nickelodeons and how um being in a theater will give you a different like experience with experiencing all these emotions with people together, whether it's a horror film, a rom-com, whatever. But then you also have to look at it in a financial set point of um, say, if movies are at a 25% capacity, is it even worth um, airing the movie because you're not going to make much money and it's wasting more like product or just like to put the movie together versus if somebody purchases the movie at home to watch it you'll still be making a revenue but then the opposite side of that is what happens if people start ripping the movies and then like not i don't even know what the kids use nowadays i I, I think of napster but if people start yeah yeah i brought it there napster and uh limewire i think limewire was for music though but it's so many different arguments of like the experience of it and then making a revenue because I'm only assuming that all these companies are losing so much money because they're not able to produce such big budgets and constantly pushing things and like the whole dates and all that stuff. So, yeah, I definitely understand the arguments for both sides. Like for me, and again, I'm not in the business. So my opinion just comes from a consumer point, even though I do try to put myself in the shoes of the people because it is a business. So for me, I'm like, all right, well, the best bet would to be to do this as like a hybrid, right? Release the movies in the theaters that for the states who actually have theaters open but then also offer it for a fee on a streaming service for those who can't go to the movie theater. And I, again, that just comes from like a selfish standpoint because I'm like, listen, these Marvel movies, like every movie had to be pushed back and we barely saw any in 2020. And now we're coming upon where we're inching closer to all these movie, you know, premiere dates, but nothing has changed. And I'm like, what are you going to push it to 2022 now? <laughs> exactly. I'm going to be, I'm going to be dead before most of these freaking movies come out. <laughs> oh, no, you'll just be, have another reason to stay home to watch all these movies. So. <laughs> oh, you know, I was never that big of like a movie person. Anyway, like, do you remember back when we were in high school and you didn't even say pick 
what movie you wanted to see. You were just like, hey, let's go to the movie theater and whatever's playing, you know, the earliest, we'll go see that. Like, Literally. I don't think, I don't think any kid does that today at all. No, because our attention span has dwindled and it's like, I don't want to watch this or they'll watch the movie while being on their phones. <gasps> I hate that. That's why I loved the Alamo, because if you dare to be on your phone, they could kick you out for it. Like, I hated yeah. that. Even if you're Madonna and look up that story, if you don't know what I'm talking about. No, I don't. Actually. Don't? So no. Madonna... So the the story goes, apparently Madonna went to the Alamo in Westchester, Yonkers, and she got kicked out because she kept on going on her phone. <laughs> Stop. That's the movie theater that I used to go to all the time. Like yeah. when movie theaters are open, that's, I'm telling you, they're strict. They don't give a shit. Like they have rules and you have to obey them. Yeah. Oh my god, that's hilarious. I didn't know that. You learn something new every day. But um Brian, why don't you give us your number six couple for our top ten? Sure. And this isn't necessarily a couple, and the people who watch the show will kind of know what I'm talking about, but my number six is Eve and Villanelle from Killing Eve. Um I don't know if you've heard or watched the show before, Tia. Wait, um, they still haven't gotten them together. I watched the first season. Yeah, I I'm a little behind in the seasons, but um for people who don't know, it's on BBC and it's starring Sandra O oh, who's amazing and Eve is I wouldn't want to say like regular pedestrian character, but Eve has a normal job and Villanelle is a killer. I think Eve is a, a part of some sort of like intelligence agency and their dynamic of Eve trying to capture Villanelle and Villanelle tried to kill Eve. And they both have these moments where they meet each other and they kind of get off at the whole chase and don't necessarily do anything about it. And it just builds throughout the series and it's just great to watch their dynamics together. So I watched the first season because it was on Hulu, I think. Um, And then at that point, the second season wasn't on Hulu yet. So I just never got a moment to catch back up. But, oh, my God, Sandra Oh. And who's the actress who plays Villanelle? Did you Uh, say that? Jodie Comer, I believe her name is. Yeah, Jodie Comer. They have talk about chemistry. Their chemistry is so great with each other. it the first season I watched was really fantastic. Such a smart show, um, and both actresses just do fantastic work. But yeah, they had great chemistry. I would definitely count them as a couple um, because, especially towards that end of the first season, they were really just kind of like leaning and heavy that something was going to happen between them. I know it's amazing. It's great. I love them. No, they're fantastic. They really are. And I'm glad that they um, win all of the awards that they actually win. They're so good. Like, And I had never really seen Sandra Oh in anything prior to Killing Eve. Because I, I never watched Grey's Anatomy. I know that everyone yeah. like knows Grey's Anatomy. I never yeah. watched it. I, and you know what? When I was 
uh, thinking of stuff in this list, I'm like, I can't put anything from Grey's Anatomy. First of all, because no. Second of <laughs> all, as much of a fan I am of Grey's Anatomy, the cheese factor is to the extreme. So I'm just like, eh. Like the Meredith and Derek stuff, I'm just like, eh. So <laughs> I actually yeah. just finished reading Shonda Rhimes' book right now, The Year of Yes. What is that about? She basically um, commits to a challenge for herself of saying yes to any opportunities that come her way and doesn't like stray away from it, um, which led to like her doing interviews, led to her giving um, commencement speeches and all this stuff. And it kind of like took her out of her own shell just by just like the yes man, somebody who just says yes to everything. Right. Yeah, she's huge right now. I mean, the projects that she does, and it's almost like a guarantee that any project she does is going to just be received really well. Because I believe she did that. She did that Netflix miniseries um, about the Central Park Five, I believe, and that was really good. Yeah. Yeah, she's really great. But I love that you put um, Eve and Villanelle. Um, I love that. I love that too because it takes place like internationally, um, and I just love Europe because I'm like, oh, I want to travel so badly. So I'll just live through the fact that they're, you know, in Paris and here and this and that. <laughs> we gonna go. We gonna go. I say that all the time. Well, Bryant though has like he uh, for those who who are listening in, he lived the dream a few years ago. He did like his own little uh, eat, pray, love tour around the world. And he got to see so many places. I got to see all the places. No, I went to uh, Thailand for three weeks and I Euro tripped for three weeks. And um, you don't even have to go that far. And I think now that we're still kind of like stuck indoors and in a panorama uh, pandemic, um, (laughs) I would encourage anybody who hasn't like traveled outside of their own comfort zone to kind of just try it because getting to know yourself in circumstances like that, even if it's like a trip to Denver, even if it's a trip 15 minutes away from where you live, I don't know. Just try something new. Just try something new. I love it. I love it so much. So that's uh, Brian's number six. I'm going to take number five. Now, you inspired me. I wasn't originally going to put this on the list because, you know, I was like, who wants to hear me talk about sex in the city for the umpteenth time on this (laughs) podcast? But you know what? I'm doing it. (laughs) You know what? I expected it to. So, okay. (laughs) Um, For those who are listening, you know, if you don't know Sex and the City, um, all seasons are on HBO Max, so you can go check that out. But there are plenty of couples in Sex and the City. I mean, there's a lot of dating. The fact that sex is literally in the title of the show, and it's an HBO show. Like when I was a kid. I knew that, like, if a show was on HBO my, and my parents were watching it, that it was, like, not safe for children to watch. Um, and so <laughs> when I got older and watched Sex and the City, you know, got into the stories of all the characters. And it takes place with, the you know, these four women, one of them being Charlotte. And the couple that I want to put down is Charlotte and Harry. 
and a quick little, you know, explanation as to why is Charlotte was the character that always wanted to get married, always wanted to find her soulmate. She finds this guy, Trey, who she initially thinks is, you know, just such a good catch. He's really good looking. He comes from a very wealthy family. Um, he's a doctor, you know, everything for her points in the direction of this is going to be great. And she gets married to him and it's like absolutely a disaster. You know, they have terrible communication. They have problems having children. Um, His, you know, Trey's mother is overbearing, you know, blah, blah. And after I think about two seasons or something there, or once, I forget how many seasons they were together for, but they end up divorcing and Charlotte's lawyer ends up being this guy, Harry, who is the complete opposite of like what Charlotte was looking for. He's, you know, bald, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's in the context of the show, you know? So it's all in like, say in their mind where it's like, Oh, well, you know, he's not really good looking. He's bald. He doesn't have the best body. He's, you know, really like, uh, you know, he eats sloppily and he's, you know, not, he's not, the person that like Charlotte thought that she would be with. Right. But for some reason she finds herself like completely just enamored with him and they start this relationship. She converts to Judaism for him. He accepts the fact that she can't have children biologically and he's totally fine with it. Whereas Trey wasn't and their relationship is just great. All right. Their relationship is just great. There's at some point where they break up and it's really emotional and you're sitting there going, Oh my God, Please get back together. And they have this really emotional like scene where they get back together. And it's just great, Bryant. Like I love them as a uh relationship. I thought that like Harry was the best guy and they're just I, I just think they're a great couple. So that's gonna be my number five. <laughs> well, I can't contribute anything to this because I've never watched the episode <laughs> of Sex and But what I will uh, say too bad is Cindy isn't here. I know. I mean, if Cindy was here, you guys could probably have a whole episode on Sex in the City, <laughs> top 10 moments. Um, but just from everything that you described, it seems like what is more realistic of a relationship. So that's awesome that they portray characters like that for real and talk about real stuff instead of like making it glitz and glamour. So. Well, I'll say this for the show, because obviously from the outside, it looks very superficial where you're like, here are these, you know, four very well-to-do women and them just running around in Prada and Gucci around the city. And certainly there are episodes that are very, say, superficial, but it does have to do with infertility, death, um, cancer. And there's a lot in the show that is very realistic. Um, like, I'll tell you this, right? Um, Sex and the City, I think, came out during the time where, like, the AIDS crisis was still very much a thing. And they tackled that. Because you're sitting there going, like, the, you know, one all of them, but one of them in particular is very promiscuous. And it's like, you know how are they handling that? And I think they handled it very well. Um, my whole point being is that the show did handle like real life things. It wasn't all just like, Oh my God, look, we're in our Louis Vuitton shoes and da 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 da. Even though of course that is there as well. 
yeah, it made you definitely. Time. <laughs> it made you definitely think, like, oh my god, I can make a living in New York City writing a fucking column. <laughs> and in real life, it's like, when is that ever gonna happen? <laughs> yeah, no, that's not. That's not real. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So yeah, that's my number five, Bryant. What's your number four? My number four to continue the nostalgia train. Like I was before. You're all about the nostalgia today. I know. Um, and I'm hoping you have watched this show once upon a time, but there were two characters by the name of Willow and Tara from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I have not. <laughs> I'm sorry, but please um, explain to me and the audience why you think they're such a great couple. Um, for people who don't know uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Allison um, Hannigan was part of the OG cast from the beginning and the first couple of seasons. It was her and kind of just like didn't really focus much on like relationship stuff from off the top of my head of what I can remember. And then um, the character of Tara gets introduced and it shows a different side because Tara has an attraction towards uh, the character of Willow, which is Alison Hannigan's character. And it's, I think this was in the early two thousands where, or late nineties, early two thousands, where it was still kind of like, displaying LGBTQ characters on air was kind of like a very touchy subject. So they highlighted that very well. And I feel like those characters were just great. And uh, spoiler alert, I don't know if you were planning on watching it, but Tara um, tragically dies at the end of the sixth season because of um, like a gunshot. So um it's very sad and very abrupt and emotional. So, Aw. Yeah, I never watched Buffy. Um, I think I tried to go back and watch it, but I think, like... And I don't mean to insult anyone who is a big, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan, but I think, like, watching it now, the production value is very bad. <laughs> and it's like maybe if I had watched it when I was younger and was a fan of it, I'd have those like fond feelings towards it, but I don't. <laughs> so um but of course I know that Buffy the Vampire Slayer like you know just gave this like new life to so many people in say like the fantasy sci-fi like fandoms. And I do remember that remember oh god, remember on the Freaking Twilight movies came out. Oh, I have a, I have that this whole section for honorable mentions. <laughs> oh my god! No. Well, I was gonna say, oh my god, I was gonna say that <laughs> when those movies came out, like all of the memes on Facebook were like, "Don't get an Edward, get a um." Uh, what's what was the guy in Buffy that like Buffy Angel? was romantic? Is that the guy with the blonde hair, the vampire that like she really liked or something? I don't. Or was that Spike or something? Was his name? No. Spike. Yes. Um. Something like that. The memes were like along those lines, or they would be like, 
don't be like Bella, be like Buffy. <laughs> And uh, and uh, even though I never watched Buffy, I was like, "Well, Buffy's a kick-ass like female character. She's not Bella, thank God." <laughs> yeah, um, I am looking forward to your honorable mentions. That kind of scares me now that I mentioned Twilight. You said that. <laughs> that scares me, Bryant. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Oh my god! But I'm sure that. Plenty of people who are listening are going to agree with you because they are Buffy fans. And um, yeah. Oh, wow. You are really right that like back then seeing LGBT representation was such like a scarcity. And I'm sure like at the time of putting that in, um, they weren't sure how it was going to be received. But like, thank God that they did. Yeah. Um, So that's great. Uh, so that's your number four. We are getting down to the final three here. and I'm going to go for the number three. Now, I know you didn't watch this show, but I'll ask anyway. Did you ever watch a little show on CW that came out a couple of years ago called iZombie? Um, I think we spoke about this once before. I know the show. I never watched it. Okay. iZombie is one of my favorite shows. Um, like... I just love obscure shows that people have really never watched. And I'm sitting here going, no, it was really good. Check it out. But for a quick, so the people that I'm going to mention here are the main character, Liv, and her boyfriend in the first season called Lull. Um, And the reason why I love them. So just to give a backstory for everyone, you know, I zombie, it obviously has to do with zombies. Um, think of say the movie warm bodies where a zombie eats a brain and they, you know, get the memories of whoever they ate. But instead of like in warm bodies where the main character was kind of like trudging along, like these zombies are fully (laughs) functioning, talking individuals. But in the first season, there really aren't a lot of zombies and they're hiding it from the world. It eventually comes to the point like in the fourth and fifth season where like the whole world knows about zombies. But in the first season, Liv is really the only one and she's hiding it from all of her loved ones. She broke up with her fiance because of it. And she meets this guy, Lull, who she finds out is also a zombie. And I just love their relationship. They have such a cute relationship. They, dance together they played music together it's like they got each other their relationship was just so great and i thought that they had like a tremendous amount of chemistry with each other um more so than her ex-fiance um who they kept trying to get her back together with and i never thought that they had good chemistry with each other but i just loved live and lol spoiler alert lol gets killed towards the end of season one which is the reason why they're not together anymore and i was i'm always like that's a valid reason reason for them not being with each other he died i just love their relationship so much um and i know that i just spoiled that for you bryant but it's on netflix you should still check out izombie it's amazing fair (laughs) i see you keep looking by the way (laughs) I'm looking at my my ever-growing list. 
but yeah, no, iZombie was a great little show. It ran for five seasons on the CW. Um, and the main actress, uh, Rose McIver, to me, is just a really talented person because literally every episode she had to play a different person because you in iZombie, not only do they get the memories of whoever's brain that they eat, they also get personality traits. So she just had to play like a different person every single episode. And it was just amazing. And lol was amazing as well. So hashtag relationship goals, live in lol, always live in, in my head rent free, but Bryant, let's get back to you. What's your number two. Do we want to do our number two and one, or do we want to do the honorable mentions? (laughs) I like to keep the honorable mentions for afterwards, especially if uh, we have some that we're going to be roasting a little too, which it sounds like on your end. So I like to always do that afterwards. So let's, let's do the actual list and then we'll have fun with the honorable mentions. I love it. Um, My number two, and it might be obvious, it might be cheesy, but I think it's appropriate and I don't really need to talk much about it. Homer and Marge. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god okay. we didn't we didn't that specify is, which that, that inspires me for my number one but go ahead <laughs> there's not really much to say if you don't know these characters if you did not grow up with them i don't know which rock you're living under um but that's all i gotta say really you know, that's that's fair enough. Um uh considering the Simpsons have been on for the past like <laughs> years, I think we've all grown up with them with Homer and Marge. Um You know I think the Simpsons are older than us. I mean, thank God something is. Every <laughs> every time I look at something on the internet, they're like, you know, this was this is twenty years old, and I was like, wait, no, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, oh my god, I'm thirty. <laughs> like, thank God something's older than us. <laughs> something, right? <laughs> We're older than Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, uh, SpongeBob, frickin'. We're older than a lot of things. <laughs> I. I used to be a big fan of The Simpsons. I haven't watched it probably in the last 10 years, but I went to the freaking movie theater to go see the movie and everything back when we all thought it was ending. And they were just like, no, no, no plans to end The Simpsons. But they're like on um, the 32nd season. I just looked up. Oh, my God. God. Yeah, Homer and Marge. I mean, again, as you said, not much else to say. They are like the longest standing TV couple. Um, how Marge <laughs> handles Homer, I don't know, because uh, he's literally a man child. But for yeah. some reason, they keep together 32 years strong. <laughs> they're, uh, you know, they're just they're just the couple, man. One of a kind. One of a kind. You, oh my God. All right. You inspired me for my number one here. But before we get to the number one, I always like to go through what we've already mentioned before we get there. So this was our top 10 best couples in movies and TV shows. 
Uh, we have for number 10, Emily Thorne and Daniel Grayson. For number nine, we have Jabron and Lilani from Lovebirds. Number eight, we have Pusey and Soso from Orange is the New Black. For number seven, we have Wanda and Vision from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Number six, we have Eve and Villanelle from Killing Eve. Number five, we have Charlotte and Harry from Sex and the City. Number four, we have Willow and Tara from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Number three, we have Liv and Lol from iZombie. Number two, we have Homer and Marge from The Simpsons. And you inspired me for my number one. And it's going to be Bob and Linda from oh, Bob's Friends. Oh, <laughs> my heart swims. <laughs> oh, my God. So... Even though I don't watch The Simpsons anymore, I don't watch Family Guy, I don't watch American Dad, but I still watch Bob's Burgers because it is amazing. And Bob and Linda are the true epitome of hashtag goals. Love them. Oh, my God. Love them. them. Bob is just amazing. Linda is hilarious. They love each other. They're a real couple. Like, the thing is, is that when when they show like again i haven't watched simpsons in a while so i can't remember their dynamic but when they showed say family guy or american dad it's like i never really felt like those two couples were very realistic they were obviously just parodies but it's like bob and linda are real but yeah so bob and linda again I love I have told my mom like numerous times that you guys always say that um she reminds you of Linda. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. Like to me I find it endearing. I think because she doesn't know the character, she's like, Oh, what do you mean? I, I remind them like what what reminds them of me? And it's like, no, 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 it's a good thing. That's a good thing. And it's hilarious. Yeah, their hashtag goals. I think the kids use hashtags still. Um, but they're just everything. And they have their amazing children. Shout out to Tina. <laughs> uh... <laughs> um, what do I call it? Oh, I told her I was going to say. Speaking about, like, the kids still use hashtags, have you seen, like, things where it's, like, Gen Z doesn't like millennials doing, like, the side parts or the laughing emojis, and I'm like, what the fuck? I don't even, I have no comment for that. Like, the Gen (laughs) Zs with their dumbass dances, and I can't keep up. I literally can't keep up. <laughs> I mean, now they're all doing the like gorilla glue challenge, and I'm like, and you guys criticize us. <laughs> were um, we the we didn't, were we, the, we didn't do the Tide Pod challenge? <laughs> I was just about to ask that. Were we the ones who did it? But I wasn't sure. Uh, no, no, no. That was Gen Z. That wasn't us. <laughs> we were smart enough. <laughs> yeah, I use Tide Pods for my laundry, not for digestion. But yeah, so my number one here is going to be Bob and Linda from Bob's Burgers. Their show just keeps getting better. I think they're on like 10 seasons now, and I just wanted to keep talking. If The Simpsons can last for like 30 years, so can Bob's Burgers. But before we get into your honorable mentions, I want to mention mine first because they're literally just honorable mentions. Um, 
I want to do Gordon and Donna from Halt and Catch Fire, um, Frank Castle and Karen from The Punisher, uh, Maggie and Forrest from uh, Lawless, and Salim and the Jinn from American Gods. But, Bryant, I know some good ones, so why don't you tell us the honorable mentions are. Yeah, um, some of my honorable mentions are Rose and Jack from Titanic. <laughs> that That's a love story that ended so well. <laughs> um, Bella and Edward from Twilight. Oh my god. <laughs> and you know what? You do with it what you want. You take it the way you want it. Uh, Connor and Oliver from How to Get Away with Murder. Um, uh, I've actually never seen that. I think if you ever have a chance to watch the show, um, mm-hmm. I think they could be, Connor mostly could be problematic, but it's an interesting dynamic. Um, Ted and Robin from How I Met Your Mother, um, and the cast of Laguna Beach in the Hills. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about scripted television, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I the fact that you just said Bella and Edward on my podcast. So that's the last <laughs> time I ever hear Brian on the top ten. <laughs> it was a, a great time to be here. <laughs> it's funny, so the podcast that I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, right? The um, the main Damey, they mm-hmm. do a pod- they do a podcast called They Call This a Movie, and it's a podcast where they pretty much just take a very bad movie and just kind of like dissect it. And every Valentine's Day, they've been doing the Twilight movies, the Fifty Shades of Grey movies, and I'm like, it's just hilarious. I'm like, God. I remember the time when people were walking around with Team Edward and Team Jacob t-shirts. God. <laughs> what, a di- what a time to be alive. <laughs> well, you know, you could take best couples. It doesn't mean, like, amazing best. It could be, like, best campy couples. You, you take it. That's why I say take it for what you want. Because... I- there's the one Twilight fan listening to this song. I like Bella and Edward. <laughs> and guess what? Do you take that with you? You take you it somewhere. You you like Bella and Edward. You like it, boo. It's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not gonna be mad. <laughs> but uh, yeah, those are my mentions. <laughs> I I love your honorable mentions. Um, I think that they just. Uh, <laughs> I'm still thinking about what you said, the Laguna Beach one. (laughs) Making (laughs) Oh my god. I mean, yeah, I guess, like, I I could probably keep going with, like, honorable mentions, so I can't think of them really off the top of my head. Um, For, again, my American Gods fans out there, Laura Moon and Matt Sweeney, obviously, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely honorable mentions. Uh, you know what I tend to do? I'll, like, like just like with Eve and Villanelle, right? It's like, they're, they weren't official couples, 
but they were enough couples. Like, Frank Castle and Karen from The Punisher were never an official couple, but you're like, they were a fucking couple. <laughs> yeah. But, um, Brian, how did, uh, how did you like your first top ten here? <laughs> oh my god, we're done already. Jeez. It was, it was great. <laughs> I what? do very much appreciate you being on the top 10 um, especially for Valentine's Day so that we could just go down nostalgia lane I swear most of the things that you picked I'm like holy shit that's right. that happened <laughs> yeah um, but be, uh, what I like to do always when I have people on the top 10 <clears throat> is to them a platform to promote themselves so for those who are listening like where can they find you because you are an actor you have you are an artist and i want people to know about it sure i mean um i mostly use instagram what the kids use no i need to stop saying that i look like i look like a kid um but you can look for me on Instagram. It's just my full name, Brian Yeager, B-R-Y-A-N-T-J-A-G-E-R. And that's where you can find me posting some stuff and stories and stuff. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Please make sure everyone check that out. You have a lot of fantastic projects that you post up there. And, you know, you're back in New York City. So we all know that you are just going to be the next freaking big star and you heard it first here on the top 10 so you know we're making stars here at geek vibes nation and hey maybe i'm i just might be on your list one day <laughs> exactly there you go exactly there you go. And, I do, and i do hope to get you back on another top 10 but for those who are listening again this is the top 10 from geek vibes nation please let us know who some of your favorite couples are in movies and TV shows, you can of course find us at It has links to all of our social media platforms. We are on YouTube at Geek Vibes Podcast. We're less than 100 subscribers away from reaching the 1,000 subscriber mark. So I truly hope that you go over there and subscribe.